0: You're listening to the Designer Journals with Liv.
1: I never thought I'd have the opportunity to weld something, and like I did, um, and then what? Eight years down the track, I'm telling a boy I met on Bumble that, "Hey, you're a boilermaker, I actually know how to weld." <laughs> what a pickup line! Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, we had we had a
0: riveting conversation that night.
1: That's so good.
0: Uh, hey guys, welcome back to another episode. This is my first um, episode with a guest as I launch this back up again. So I'm going to start with a little wrap up of the week and how or just, you know, what I've been doing. It won't take long. Um, (laughs) So I'm currently this week I've been um, on a private resi job, which is my forte and where I thrive and I'm comfortable in is that's where I started at a small resi firm Uh, I've just been preparing development application docs for that after we locked away a concept which was a big um, success and recently I've got um, registration on my mind like every day because um, I'm doing it and I'm telling people that I'm doing it now which makes it um, feel like way more real because it used to just be this thing that I would say when people would I don't know ask about my future um but I'm doing it. first session logbook has to be in by the 27th of January and I'm just chasing down the last little bit of contract admin and procurement that I need so I am nagging all my project leaders and the director um and they're helping me which is great and I know that I've got a huge um chunk of studying ahead of me um which is also fun um and then also, yeah, just create creating um, content for socials um, as I release the podcast again. I dropped a little trailer um, last week and the response and feedback I've been getting from people online and colleagues and stuff has been really, really uplifting. Like I've been so shy and hesitant about this whole thing. Um, and whenever it came up, I would just kind of like change the subject and not talk about it because I was very um, reserved about the whole thing but as I've opened up and told people that I'm doing it again work's been amazing everyone's been so um, supportive and happy just and interested in what I'm doing which just gives me a bit of confidence to keep going so that's what we're doing and now I'll introduce the guest um, her name is Kavisha and she is a project leader at Cushman and Wakefield We met through the 500 Women in Property program which um, work threw me into at the start of the year which was really cool Um, and that's through the Property Council Australia. They organized a bunch of small catch-ups in groups so that we could have a bit more intimate um, setting to chat and stuff and at this coffee catch-up there was Kavisha and she sat next to me and it was a really uplifting experience. You know, gathering. We were as um, women. We just. We went around the table and introduced ourselves and like just sort of spoke about what we did and the experiences we had in the workplace. Um, and it was just really uplifting. Um, just to yeah, be around other women doing really cool things. And so after that, um, I think that was back in August that catch up. And then I reached out to her via LinkedIn and told her about my idea about the podcast and she kindly accepted my invitation to catch up and have a chat and was so supportive of this um, whole idea and it was really easy to chat to her Um, it was such a good first um, session back into doing this so Um, Yeah, so she talks about how um, how she got into project management. She goes and gets skills in a couple different industries in and out of architecture and construction, which is really cool and just overall really uplifting and inspiring stuff and I really enjoyed catching up with her. So please enjoy the episode. Here it is. Thank you so much for sitting down with me. um should we just start at the beginning of where and how you got into architecture oh yeah sure (laughs) you know (laughs) like yeah I
1: feel like it would be one of those like when I was five I started with blocks, but it it wasn't actually like that it was just I think I've questioned this at times but like when you're 18 you make those important life decisions like I'm gonna leave school I'm gonna get like uh however many thousands of dollars worth of to go practice in an industry and it's like putting that decision on an 18 year old was so it's too much yeah it's a lot (laughs) um but like you pick something you're really passionate about and I remember when I was like maybe nine or ten I told my dad I was going to be a builder yeah because I just loved like Watching him like put things together, and I'd walk around with a little hammer and try oh, and like cute. follow him around. So it's <laughs> like, Dad, I want to be a builder. And then the more I thought about it, the more I realized that I I just don't like the physical work yeah, And like hard actually, labor. yeah, yeah. I was like, what well, what's easier? But it's not so much what's easier. It was more so like, where can I actually like practice everything? Like a bit of marketing, a bit yeah. of like design, art. And architecture came up as one of those, like, you always see these architects on, like, TV or something talking about their designs. They're always so well-articulated. So I was just, like, maybe 15 years old and said, that's what I want to be. And then I just went down that path. And then I think when I got to third-year uni, because we have, like, the year one to three is your bachelor's year and then the fourth year, fifth year is the master's. So... I got into third year and I think I was having like a lot of doubt like I don't see myself as a registered architect
0: I don't see myself practicing. Was it based on something you'd seen or absorbed around you while you were having that time at uni? Uh, yeah I think it was
1: like the interactions because like the first few years of uni was like you're really loving like the exploring yeah, the idea of being an architecture it's school. the honeymoon
0: period i think
1: yeah and then <laughs> like soon into third year i think the rose-colored glasses come yeah. off and then you realize like okay after this i'm gonna actually have to think about what my life plan is like with registration mm-hmm. with and then i i think it got to a stage where i didn't see myself like working to get registered But then, again, it was one of those conversations like you go to get an architecture degree, but what do you do if you don't want to be an
0: architect Mm -hmm.
1: but you have an architecture degree? No one had that conversation. Like all of our um, inspirational talks we had with postgraduate students or alumni were they were all architects. Mm -hmm. No one had it with someone that actually was really open, like this podcast where they say, I actually failed a bit or I didn't do too crash hot or I just didn't have a passion for it or, like,
0: a It's almost like you want some more, like, more real-life examples, like even, like, local, like, um, architects or something, like instead of the big just architects and the ones in the pretty lectures and stuff to have that perspective, right? Yeah, like
1: you almost kind of feel like whenever – I get where unis come from and they have their close contacts to the registered architects yeah. but there's a whole bunch of architects um, who are registered or architectural grads who are practicing in really successful like side lateral careers that yeah. they've built off from their architecture degree like back home I have um, two friends who are in journalism now and yeah. they edit for a magazine and their form of creativity their writing all that discipline has come from architecture yeah cool um and had they not got the architecture degree they probably wouldn't have had that opportunity so someone somewhere's gone oh we really value your line of thinking yeah so I think no one has those conversations they're like if you leave architecture school post your graduation is like whatever your bachelor's or your master's it and you don't feel passionate about it it's not the end of the road it's Mm. actually the beginning of so many other careers
0: but you just don't know and when you're in the moment it's like what do I do now and yeah we don't have those conversations
1: we don't and it's like well things like this like you need to have chats and like I'm glad that the next generation have access to like podcasts which we didn't we just had these like guest lecturers come into (laughs) uni and talk about their amazing journey to registration and then you just kind of sank into your seat going like if this is not me I've just got a $70,000 loan Um, I'll be unemployed with debt to my name so you just it's intimidating and but yeah, I think that having access to these mm. kind of conversations is probably the best thing we can do for anyone that's at uni right now for sure. or thinking of doing architecture.
0: I think the atmosphere is changing. Like there's a shift to sort of, I guess, craving of more knowledge that's different to what we've already had for the last how many, 20 odd years or whatever. So I think it's going to get better for us. So when did you, um? so in the middle of your studies, you were questioning it, but you still completed the five years
1: yeah I think I've might that's my partner loves me for this um <laughs> like I'm quite a stubborn person so I was like come on I've done three years of yeah, it I might as well <laughs> yeah I might as well complete the two more years um the fact that I'm uncertain if I was certain I'd say I'm certain I want to quit mm-hmm. but I was uncertain so it's like what if There is, I'm just getting cold feet. Mm -hmm. So I did finish fourth and fifth year. And in hindsight, it was probably the best decision. Um, Because if I left on third year thinking that I kind of don't feel
0: right, I wouldn't have had that like sense of discovery. It's a good place to stay in school if you are a little bit unsure. So you just get yourself some more time.
1: Yeah. And like almost um, when I, when you're in the moment, you don't realize it. Um, You just get this really sinking feeling like, oh, am I in the right place? I see my friends around me so passionate. Mm. They're doing so well. And by that time,
0: they've already finished their degrees as well. (laughs) Yeah. Or
1: they're like, um, like in your situation where they are finishing their degrees, they're working for these amazing firms or they're getting offers for these firms and you're you're not. So you kind of just feel like, oh, am I in the wrong place? Have I done the wrong thing? But in hindsight, feeling like that is almost the best place. It feels bad at the time oh, and, yeah, like, yeah. it is like ripping a Band-Aid, but that sense of development, like, the thoughts you have at that moment push you yeah. to your next steps. Yeah. Like, I think I saw that. I, I went to uni with some amazing, amazing graduates and students. Some of them have their own firms now. Some of them are not working in architecture. Um and then I was just wondering where you go mm-hmm. but then I got to fifth year and then I was like oh that uncertainty felt so good like I actually was worried and that caused me to actually push myself mm. and do some research yeah. and stumble yeah. it's like Bob Ross happy accidents <laughs> it's
0: like you gotta do something with this <laughs> yeah
1: so it was like um and then you leave with like beautiful piece that you created like Mm -hmm. you either leave with your thesis or you leave with your degree but you don't walk away with nothing you walk away with something like even if you don't end up finishing your degree um those years like whether you spend one year or four years before you say I actually don't want to complete this Mm. you still have like that critical thinking that most architectural grads do
0: yeah and you have to like remind yourself that it, it does count for something and I think it's just hard to understand that until you have some perspective and see how it helped because at the end of architecture school like we said we're like we don't know anything and then you walk into practice and you're like far out like there's still so much more to learn
1: yeah but you have
0: the foundation to figure it out and I think that's that's what
1: makes us like I find that when you ha- come across someone that's got an architecture degree they're very emotionally understanding and they're very perceptive of emotion like because um, you've had those very high highs and very low lows in your career um you regardless of whether you're a registered architect for 20 years you'll understand the uncertainty you feel when you leave uni mm. and you kind of feel a bit angry that like Five years. What am I? Mm-hmm. What do I have to show? It's like for an us. identity crisis. <laughs> it is, and like, because every architect's been through it at some stage. Like, you have a sense of compassion, and yeah. like, even in your work now, it just makes you more understanding. It's like architects are crazy, understanding, super. <laughs> Not putting them in a pedestal, but like, you go through some shit at yeah. uni, you know, and it shapes who you are
0: yeah Um, for sure
1: and that's why like you find that people with architecture degrees you could throw a lot at them and they seem very calm and like okay (laughs) if I can get through uni and I can get through late nights
0: it really is like that it's like there's never been a time in life where I've like just had the most minimal amount of sleep over like two weeks but still produced like this thing at the end and no one else gets it because they're like why it's like you don't understand it just takes forever because you care so much so it it comes out of you and you're like all of a sudden you're like how did I do that yeah. yeah
1: and it's like a catch-22 isn't it like um when I was in high school that was one of the criteria because I hate studying for tests mm. um I have the worst like testing ability like if you gave me an exam mm. everything was just like I could cram or I could study, I could prepare for it like nights and weeks before, but the minute you get me to do an exam, I will forget everything and I will guarantee you get it like a zero or a D- Even degree. though you did the work, yeah. It's yeah. not built
0: for everyone, yeah.
1: So I looked up degrees where you didn't have to do that many exams. Oh, <laughs> and then I was like, oh, architecture, you don't have to do that many lectures. You don't have to do that many exams. Um, it's mostly project work mm. and I was like oh this is gonna be a great idea yeah. and then I got into my first year uni and I realized that constantly working towards the project and no sleep was the worst idea
0: at that point you're like I would rather an exam uh, give me an exam <laughs> Give me. let an me exam. write a paper but <laughs> or, at least there's an end point right because there's always that a project is ever finished you could work on it forever and I'm just like that is like I don't know what to say with that. Yeah, It's like, give
1: me a paper, I'll get a C minus and I'll be happy with it. Yeah. But at the moment I'm constantly not sleeping. Yeah.
0: And it's like, there's, and it's not even like it's a right or wrong thing. It's like, there's just different ways that you could do something. And if you don't get it all out or like resolve it, it looks bad, but it's like the thinking's there, but you just might not have been able to completely show it.
1: Yeah. And
0: it's like, I found that the project work with uni was like it was
1: challenging in so many ways and that's why I think like anyone with an architecture degree can diversify into so many other roles post uni Mm -hmm. because um, with like some other degrees like you're not in a situation where you're forced into so many ways of like interpretation or being tested like you're being tested with your time management from day one the day you get your project and then Sometimes your lecturers throw in curveballs in it to try and like implement what a client would do with you to you yeah, on site and yeah. say, Oh actually I changed the brief. Why don't you change it all mm-hmm. the night before it's due to see
0: how you deal under pressure? Was that a thing for you guys when you oh, were in school? Yeah, I swear. It's like part of things. I mean, because I did it unintentionally, but like, is that something that they've threw
1: at you? No disrespect to lecturers. Like, <laughs> I love you all. You're great. You've done an amazing job for... Teaching the world of yeah, <laughs> but you do shit with us that sometimes. You throw so many little like curveballs, yeah. and sometimes like you do a brief exactly as they wanted it. Yeah. They're okay with it with your like concept design. your thirty percent. You're fifty percent. You're seventy percent. You get to your 80 or 90 and, and they're, they're like, like why don't you flip it <laughs> literally two days before and like in my head I was like I swear that's why they do the um, like preliminary crit yeah. two days before or like they do a um, meet up prior to your presentation is because they want to do something like drastic yeah to see what you come
0: up with under pressure and isn't it funny how that happens in real life like you get a phone call from a client and it's like I want to double the size or whatever it is. And then you go, okay, well, meeting's tomorrow. Yeah. So we have to put something together. And and they almost, like, it's like a shark. They can smell fiercely <laughs> and go,
1: yes, I will. <laughs> I will have that for
0: you tomorrow. And, and then you, like, put the phone down, freak out, and then just, like, come back, okay. Yeah, and <laughs>
1: then, like, some of the, like, with other degrees, you don't have that sense of, like, really stringent time management, understanding and interpreting brief. Mm. Um then getting those presentations um, with your lecturers and having like, here you go, and then having the curveball thrown at us, or yeah, students, sorry, I keep saying us, it's (laughs) been a while, but um, (laughs) then you get to the stage where you're actually being critiqued on your work, like not many other degrees where you get that from mm. your first year of uni where you're presenting in front of your whole class. Um, sometimes, again, like the lecturer loves to play with you and just bring <laughs> on like a whole bunch of senior years to sit down and watch your critique yeah. and you just
0: It's have brutal, yeah. How did you go when you were having those like crits? Did you have any like epic fails or got by okay each time?
1: Anyone that tells you they've walked away from a crit Without crying at least once, whether it was physical tears or they cried internally yeah. or they just went off to a corner and just like, is oh, yeah, it's lying to lying you. For yeah, because sure. yeah. <laughs> it is like, I think you can never, like, I went through my first year going, oh, okay, I'm quite okay. I'm a confident person, so mm-hmm. nothing will break me. Like, I've been through some stuff, so like, it's okay if it doesn't break, like, kill you, makes you stronger. Yeah, yeah. And then I thought it was going well until I remember, like, the most memorable one was in my third year. Um, I think it was quite later on in the year as well, and I had this um, dancer that was one of our um, Mm clients and um, our guest critique, and he ripped me to shreds. (laughs) Absolutely, like... (laughs) <laughs> oh, it was, I still, I can actually envision yeah. myself in that position right now. And it just like, I get it's teary. Cringe. And, yeah. yeah. And it's like, it's almost like you can have your moments where you feel emotional and like knowing that that critique isn't the be all and end all of your life. Like mm. maybe like, what does that person know about you? What does that yeah. person know about your design? It might've been like something you didn't say properly or maybe they just interpreted
0: it wrong. Yeah (laughs) and not wrong but different.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's not necessarily like what you did. It's maybe how they saw it or maybe they aren't in the same line as you. So it doesn't mean like you're a horrible future architect. But yeah, there's so many of those It's
0: hard to separate a bad crit um like your work and you as a person, because it feels like they're attacking you. I th- I remember some, at some point, some lecturers were just like, it's critiquing your work, not you. It feels like it's critiquing you because you put yourself through the project and it's very like emotional and whatever, but they're like try and separate the two because otherwise you're just going to like break and like not be able to keep bouncing back. And I can see now how that's preparing you for yeah just client meetings and you know yeah (laughs) to internalize
1: your Uh, emotions like like you said it's like your like your lecturers try and prepare you for it like don't take it personally but then you sometimes can't help but feel that way because it's like your endless hours of work and But if you take the positive from that, like, if you can stand up and do a critique and, like, you have the confidence to stand up for something you've done, that's, like, a skill. It's really character
0: building, yeah.
1: Yeah, like, now that if I go back to, like, new graduate me and someone turn around and said like, what did you learn from uni? Like, did you learn nothing? Did they teach you nothing? I'd turn around and be able to confidently say, like, we actually learned – self-confidence and like how to present work that we're proud of and represent like our personal brand yeah um
0: which is what we need to do wherever we end up working yeah Yeah. and
1: it's like even the like even if you say oh I'm a really shy person or I'm not a really confident um public speaker Mm -hmm. but if you've been through the critiquing process you're still quite like, you're quite confident mm. in relaying what you're passionate about.
0: I always found it interesting, like, watching, like, the quiet people in the air get up and present and you're, like, blown away. And you're like, wow, like, they have really cool ideas. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's almost like when you're critiquing, you almost take on a persona. Um, Like, yeah. it sounds like a weird thing to say because you, like, when you say it out loud, it sounds silly. But when you're in the spot, you're in the moment, you're, like, hyping because that feeling of like butterflies in your Mm. stomach being scared like because you know you're the next person to go up and do your presentation and then when you do it you're in the moment of like okay I've not slept over this (laughs) let me just pour my heart out and hope someone understands like my logic and method like methodology behind this
0: yeah for sure but yeah
1: like you said it's like even the quiet ones when they go up and present their work you're just like you're not the same person. Yeah, it comes from this
0: other place. Eh? And yeah, when you need to dig deep and pull from it for whatever reason, it's like a good skill to have. Yeah. How did you find um, once you got out of an architecture school, like your first jobs and that sort of process of figuring out where you are going to use your degree? <laughs> uh, like it was, uh, again, happy accidents. Like yeah. I never
1: knew what I was doing. Like I left uni feeling a sense of, I need to get a job, Yeah, um, I need to be able to at least pay off the debt I've accumulated, um, or I can't live at mum and dad's house for the rest of <laughs> yeah, my exactly. life, or yeah. something like that happens. So, like... Um, and re- this is when you're back in New Zealand.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. so
1: I remember feeling really lost. Like, I um, I struggled. I was at that crossroads of, like, oh, do I... And become an average architect because my heart's not in it or do I like do something because I know that's the right thing to do like I studied a degree I should go practice in it um so like I kind of trusted my gut in that sense like I said I'll go work for the local council
0: yeah.
1: um because at the end of the day everyone needs to understand compliance like you need to know the rules and regulations yeah. of how like anything you're designing goes together so I started working at a council um, and I worked there for a couple of years. And then one day I just stumbled upon a job in SEEK mm-hmm. and it was titled as a building surveyor. And I was like, what is this? Like for me, when you say surveyor, it's like, oh, you're out there site surveying. You're That's taking, what I think. Yeah. Like with yeah. a measuring stick. (laughs)
0: and you a laser
1: (laughs) that's exactly what I thought so I was like oh this is this is interesting and then I read the description I was like this sounds like a typo was it under the architecture bracket
0: like if you're in that field yeah Yeah. so
1: like had it not been for the seek ad like I would have never found building surveying as a step away role from because you wouldn't have looked for it yeah I would never have gone actively seeking for it and like it isn't a degree that's taught in Australia or New Zealand. That's so
0: weird. Um,
1: it's like a UK, it originated from the UK and like the actual industry goes back years and years. It's probably as old as architecture. Um, and because we don't teach it here, there's a big market for architects and engineers mm-hmm. um, and estimators and property, um, anyone in like construction management to become a building surveyor and like the best way I got described it was you're basically a doctor for a building and I was like oh that sounds really cool I've always wanted to to play GP it sounds so glam yeah so um I interviewed for this role and then I the more I learned about it the more I was like it's like forensics you're like NCIS but for a building um it was a cool way of glamorizing yeah. something really boring, but yeah. um it wasn't boring, sorry, to building surveyors <laughs> listening to this. Um it was it was really good for me because it directly took everything I learned in architecture. And I remember I'd worked for a bunch of um building surveyors that had qualified in the UK mm. and they they were trained in writing these novels and like these documents about building elements and like any diagnosis they have on it um and any issues any faults we were dealing a lot with Christchurch earthquakes so it was really interesting learning about like all these building faults and like how they contributed to a weak building um and then I remember writing a couple of draft reports for these surveyors feeling really scared like oh my gosh I'm Scared. Yeah. Um, more scared than possibly writing my thesis. Because you just weren't sure that you were doing the right thing? I was clutching at straws. Yeah. I was I'd never been taught yeah. to formally write about a building. I've never well, you kinda do, but
0: from an architecture yeah, perspective. It's like a descriptive kinda yeah. observance sort of thing <laughs> yeah like
1: no one really cares about how beautifully the uh, shape the architraves are yeah <laughs> people care about the big leak in the ceiling yeah so um that's what the building survey yeah. is concerned with. so by
0: this point you've gotten the job and then are having to put these reports out
1: yeah and then I remember that feeling of like I'm not a building surveyor and then I wrote my first report and then I remember the principal coming up to me and saying this is a really well written piece of work um how do you know how to write like this and I'm like architecture school (laughs) um and we get taught to write really well we get taught to express ourselves we get taught to describe like really good at
0: describing what we see yeah and like answering a question kind of thing yeah yeah
1: so like no one ever told me that being a architectural grad is a perfect like if you don't feel like being an architect it's like a perfect path to go down if you want to be a building surveyor yeah and then yeah so that led to my next job as a building surveyor and then one thing led to another and now I'm in project management like it was it was a series of like me stumbling upon findings like there was years where I feel like I sidetracked a bit too much Mm -hmm. um there's one year where I went down like car leasing
0: (laughs) (laughs) um yeah it was just
1: like completely like as a job yeah it was like completely left field but like it was a gap year almost like I wanted a break but I wanted to like make sure that I was really good with dance, yeah and um, it's part of being a good project manager knowing your way around yeah. numbers and I was like okay there was a gap in my learnings at architecture school um, so what's the best way I can do this without having to go to uni again so I got a job for a year and I was like I got paid really well I got a
0: free car out of it oh, you just made that connection yeah You're no, so, so like, I was
1: like I'm not going to uni I'm not like <laughs> racking up more debt yeah to so study was,
0: more yeah to study
1: more so I did like a 12-month
0: contract that's like the perfect perfect example of just life experience has taught you the skills
1: yeah so i was like oh oh," like i'm not doing a five-year degree again no yeah all i need is just like to be a whiz at excel sheets and financing like balancing books and like um so i did that for one year and like in hindsight it was probably the best experience i could have gotten because now i've like in my team, like if you have numbers, yeah, I'm like you know how to work. With I'm it. an unofficial whiz because I took so many side steps, but like, I that's think amazing. It's, and was that still in New Zealand? No, that was actually in Adelaide. Yeah. Like it was again, like a little bit of a. You kind of make every job you do, like you take an advantage point from it, mm-hmm. or you take like, what did I learn from this? And it was like I moved to Adelaide. I was in job that i didn't really like it was in construction but it wasn't exactly what i wanted to be in construction like, i was yeah. working for like a subcontractor so i was like oh uh, how do i become a more appealing project manager um and i found that like most of the things with project management the most the biggest errors happen with finances and numbers yeah. and like people say it's like openly their weak point so i was like ah what job is going that I could not need to go to uni, get paid for at the same time, but brush up on my finance skills? Mm. So, yeah, I went and worked in car leasing. <laughs> I drove some pretty wicked cars for that one year and I was like. The <laughs> perks, nice. Yeah. And like in hindsight, it could have gotten comfortable in that role yeah. and just stayed in it and then gone away from architecture, yeah. which is where some people end up. They end up taking these like side roads yeah. and then they end up becoming um, owning a fashion label or becoming a publisher for a magazine um, from those like side yeah. steps they take.
0: It's like. just like the next sort of step can lead you. You have no idea where it can lead you, but like if you're open to it then, like, who knows? Like, you can't plan that sort of stuff.
1: No, and, like, I think I had this stigma around, like, oh, I've been out of architecture for so long, I can never go back.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I find that it's, it's very different. Like, people – everyone's done it at some stage, so I thought that, like, being a grad, like, if I'm away from architecture for X amount of years, I'm out of it. I don't know what the trends are. I don't know what the new software is. Mm. I'm, yeah, I'm cut out from that industry. But like you'll find that registered architects and people who are architects did take those side steps. Like they did actually go down those like side paths that Mm. took them down like. Maybe, I don't know, working in car leasing for a year. <laughs> um, but they've gone through that. Like they've actually had those. So they're understanding if you go, oh, I'm actually an architectural grad that hasn't practiced for eight years, but I want to get back because I yeah. feel passionate. You'll find that most architecture firms can relate because I guarantee you, no one will say, no, I've just only dreamt about architecture every day, all day. Well, no, They yeah. could. Well, they could. S-
0: some maybe. Some
1: maybe, but there's a high percentage of people that take breaks from architecture. Like, mm. there's parents that need maternity exactly. leave or paternity leave. Like, they take time away, so I'm I sure. I think
0: it's the perfect field of, like – well, they say it's like a jack of all trades, right? And it, I think – your interests and your likes and your skills and stuff whether they relate to architecture or not it still contributes to the industry which is really interesting because you don't know how when you're at the beginning but that like you said shapes your input and then you just become like really valuable as an asset to wherever you're working to like bring all that together because there's just no yes no route it's all relative
1: (laughs) and I feel like what you, like what we talked about earlier is like because when you started the journey of architecture school which journey I talk about it like <laughs> I'm off on an adventure
0: <laughs> it um, feels like
1: it <laughs> but like you have a creative background or you have something about you that's got a creative inkling. um so like it's good to have those hobbies like for you it's podcasting mm. that's your creative outlet
0: like Um, asking people personal questions
1: and you and look you're really good at it like it's um it's how like you it's not just architecture for you it's
0: that it's the people I think because that makes the projects go ahead so like yeah it's like a step back
1: (laughs) yeah so it's like mine was like if I'm not an architect I still want to have some form of interior design it's not architecture but like some form of like interior design or design um influence yeah so I always kept that in the back burner or like not back burner it was like my side hobby like um I always helped someone with renos or Mm. like
0: gave them my creative because you have an eye for it like deep down yeah
1: yeah so it's always good to have like a passion for something and keep that as like your side hobby because if you don't get a chance in architecture like as a architectural grad out of uni because I know there's like a mad fight for jobs when you leave uni it's always good to do that hobby that gives you like a sense of direction like
0: and also bring you like happiness as well to keep you going through whatever's got like you know you have to do to support yourself in life it's not always the same thing, yeah, well, it would be nice it's <laughs> it's not like, oh, my career's not going for me,
1: so that's the end of it. You still yeah. have like but I still have my podcasting, which i'm really passionate yeah. about, um, and for me, it was like if i didn't get a job as an architect um or architectural grad, sorry, <laughs> um, I had that in the background to the point like two years ago, my partner and i we went down. The journey of he bought a commercial building, mm. which I kicked myself for saying, Yes, let's do it. It'll be great. I'll, I'll support you through it. Um, and he bought this building in like this really nifty little suburb where it's full of art and murals. And that building was cooked, it had termite damage, it had everything. Um, I wasn't working in architectural or construction, I was my break year yeah. working in leasing. Um, but it was my hobby so I kept that going and that open that itself opened so many doors for me in construction because mm-hmm. when I went for job interviews I kind of gave them personal insight to yeah. who I am and a lot of people admire that so like if you do have those hobbies and they are something creative um, it does open doors for you and it's not like if architecture isn't working for you mm. you aren't anything so like and I found everyone in architecture school has had something creative they were passionate about like yeah there's people that had too many hobbies and they're like I don't know how where to shuffle myself it's
0: funny isn't it because that's why we end up in architecture because we're usually the ones that can't decide on one we like too many things is the general consensus and so we're like yeah we'll find our way in architecture
1: yeah yeah and like being an architect isn't about just designing buildings it's like bespoke furniture it's yeah. about artwork it's about designing the piece of paper um or the menu cards that go in your mm. bespoke restaurant like it's a lot of there's things There's so many layers to it yeah yeah and there's so many of my um friends that went down the furniture design and, yeah same um, and then they went down like set tiny homes because house prices in New Zealand are ridiculous so they went <laughs> all right um we'll go down That's this such a cool trend <laughs> yeah. they and and they made really good businesses out of it and like it was just because they kept those hobbies so I think like if there's any architecture grads listening like it's good to keep those yeah um, like don't
0: lose yourself in architecture like kind of make architecture work for you kind of thing like you don't have to fit into it you can make it work for whatever it is you're interested in yeah it could be
1: anything and like I use the whole age all excuse like during architecture I have time for nothing I don't sleep I don't have time to do this I don't have time to do this And one a couple of years I use like I don't even have time to have a boyfriend <laughs> um as a great excuse yep. <laughs> but like in hindsight like you still have that time once you leave architecture school mm. I think I was like five years in before I went down like oh this is my passion this is my hobby yeah. and then That job that I had um, working one year in car leasing, all the money I got from them I used as a bonus because I was like I would have been paying someone to learn all of this finance at uni. So any of the money I earn from it, I'm going to like use it to invest in my hobby which became like now my partner and I are thinking of opening a business where we just like um, because he's a tradie, he's got his own boiler making company so I was like how great would that be like I design and you build (laughs) it's like every partnership dream yeah he's not buying it though because he's like I will do all the work while you sit there bossing me around and I'm like but someone's gonna think of what to do yeah someone's gonna have direction
0: exactly someone's gonna project manage
1: yeah and that like came out of like a hobby and like it might take a couple of years out of architecture school to figure mm. out what you... I thought I wanted to be a furniture designer. So when COVID happened, mm-hmm. we are in lockdown. So I decided to make a concrete table. Um, How'd it go? Oh, well, it went real. It was beautiful. <laughs> but in hindsight, light lightcrete is your friend, not concrete, okay? <laughs> unless you're like...
0: Or oh, do you go and try and move it? <laughs> yeah, unless
1: you're like 120... KG buff man or woman um <laughs>
0: that's like you can just like throw it on the shoulder and move it oh wow. yeah and you don't probably thought of that even for like just too busy trying to make it I was like oh this is gonna be great
1: and um another thing that came out of uni was like I actually learned to weld at uni did you I learned to weld and that's so handy that was my party trick not that I don't take like a welding (laughs) um that was um because like with uni we got really ambitious with our presentations and um for my fifth year like my final year thesis I was like I'm going to make my own plints because I don't like the plints they have at uni. And everyone was making their own like bespoke plints. Oh, like it was like the fashion at the time. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I want to make these. Um, in hindsight, I should have just paid someone to do it. But when you're at uni, you're low on cash. Oh, yeah.
0: There's no paying anyone. It's like I could to yeah. do it myself.
1: So I got um, like – I ordered some steel and we had a really good uni workshop and I actually learned to weld at uni. That's what do you just like asked someone to show you what to do. He showed me for about two hours. Yeah. And then it was really bad welding for the first two days. And then by the end of the week, I was like, I'm
0: leaving architecture school <laughs> and I'm going to become
1: a <laughs> professional boilermaker. Oh my
0: gosh. I love that. That's such a handy skill to have, like just for, the, you know, any home runneries. Projects yeah.
1: And it was like, it's a skill I learned from architect because you do those, like that exploring process of like mm. models and stuff. And like, I never thought I'd have the opportunity to weld something. And like I did. Um, and then what? eight years down the track I'm telling a boy I met on Bumble that hey you're a boiler maker I actually know how to weld. <laughs> what a pick up line. <laughs> yeah Yeah, know we
0: had
1: we had a riveting conversation that night. That's so good. Um, But then that's what I got out of it. So like during COVID, I actually welded the frame Mm -hmm. for a concrete high top table and we cast the top of it.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, All skills I learned at uni, casting concrete and welding. So, (laughs) Do you um, still have the table? Yeah, I still have the table because it's not going anywhere. (laughs) Because it's too heavy. (laughs) Unless I have um, anyone that wants to volunteer to lift it for me. But no, it was really nice. And like, I think things like that, I learned how to cast bronze at uni wow um for a plant or no no No, that would have been a very expensive plant um it was things like at uni you use resources like we had a really good workshop Mm. and we had a really good um like resources at
0: and we just went wild we that's so good like were you encouraged by the uni to like just make the most of it oh it was like the wilder the better yeah (laughs) um so
1: like you'd have all these like crazy inventions, and then one person went and made their own plinth, so everyone said, "I'm gonna make my own plinth." Um, and it, it was interesting, like one of my friends got really good at glass cutting. She made this whole beautiful, like to this day, I have dreams about that model. It was like <laughs> the sexiest model in the world. It was this like gl- layers of glass. And it shaped ground contours. No. Yeah, and it was so beautiful and, like, the whole analogy she used was that, like, the ground was – the area was, like, a reused site and no one found the ground insignificant, so it was um, invisible. um, And the glass kind of embodied the land and I was just like – you made this shit off on the day, didn't you? Sorry. <laughs> I was like, you made this off, didn't you? And then she was like, Uh
0: you... no. <laughs> it's like, just struck them with the pretty contours and then try and say what yeah, it means.
1: Yeah, like things are, That's so good. It was insane. Like some of the things I saw at architecture, I was like, wow.
0: It's a really inspiring place to be like in that environment. Because when you get out into the real world, you can sort of lose it a little bit just in the hustle and bustle of real life project issues so yeah
1: you you lose yeah and like I feel like when you're at uni take photos if you like someone's model take a hundred they won't be offended they'll love or unless they're like really protective of their work they shouldn't be but um
0: because some of those things like you will use for inspiration down the track yeah like there's nothing quite like saying oh I have a photo of this thing that someone else did and then like talking about it with someone
1: yeah Yeah. there's like uni um she like inspired a whole love of like hand cut glass and timber so now I'm like I have this newfound appreciation for it so Mm. and then there was another one of my friends that really was into casting metal stuff Mm -hmm. and I tried copying him um (laughs) inspiration uh, officially unofficially all right (laughs) I was I was terrible at it um and that was a bronze casting so he became really really good at it and he'd make like timber tables with little bronze um pen holders inserted into it and like wow these beautiful like detailed um bronze things and like door (laughs) handles and stuff and I was just in awe of that and now I'm like my dream home that I design will have beautiful
0: bronze handles. Are you going to try and do it (laughs) yourself? Yeah. (laughs)
1: I'm going to try and do it until like it gets too much and I'll be like, I'll probably contact him. So
0: hindsight, if you know who I'm talking about, I'll come find you. (laughs) (laughs) Heads up. (laughs) Yeah. And so how did you land into um, project management? Was that just a classic talking to someone who told you about the role or something or were you looking for it? To be honest, like when I left uni, I really wanted to be a project manager, yeah. but it seemed like such a... Did I mean, you know what a, what that meant? Because project management is like any industry, right? So did you have, yeah, some information <laughs> on what you thought that would be and why you wanted it? I Like I knew a project
1: manager was the person that um, coordinated project builds mm-hmm. and like, like all things, because we grew up in the generation of like... Um, like gender assignment in roles, like Mm. um, a female is a nurse. Yes, Um, and it's like preconceived. Yeah, a pilot is a male. Um, For me, a project manager was a man. Yeah. So I was like, it's huge. Like that's what I had an image of. Like it's a man that coordinates things and he's really like good with organising and talking really loudly on the phone and just (laughs) running all the time. Um, But I didn't actually know like – how diverse the role was like um but I did always glorify it I for some reason I put project management on this pedestal um it is it's a very rewarding career and you work really hard to get there but it's just that no one gives you a chance when you're a graduate mm. architect because like there's a level of trust um you need to gain to get into the industry and I knew I did not know how to make it there I was like this is the end goal I want to get to it but I don't know how I don't know if anyone's going to give me a shot um I knew what it was but
0: I had no idea what doors had to open and at this point are you in your you're not in the industry
1: I was in as a building
0: surveyor, working as
1: a building surveyor um and then like the right doors open like I kind of stumbled into findings and stuff like a building survey in the traditional term is you diagnose problems with the building and then you project manage it. You project manage the fix.
0: Oh, okay, like resolve the problems.
1: Yeah, you yeah. remediate it. And like in New Zealand, we have a big leaky homes crisis, leaky buildings crisis because okay. it rains like all the time. <laughs> so basically yeah, – That's why it's so green. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful country, mm, lovely place to live and visit. But it's raining, it rains a lot. So um, most buildings have like issues related to like weather tightness, water. That's a term that's specific to New Zealand. It's called um, weather tightness. I've never
0: heard that before, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) and it's
1: basically like the damp gets into the building and leaks. So we had a big issue with that and building surveying was really big. And then most building surveyors are project managers. Mm. Um, But then... I didn't work on any new builds in that role, so it was a sidestep, but then it opened the door for me as like, oh, she's worked in remediation work, so let's give her a chance with a new build.
0: Oh, okay. And then it
1: slowly, I worked on my first new building. Um, and then I moved to Adelaide, um, and I started working for a subcontractor. Making precast panels, <laughs> um, that was yeah, that was an experience in itself. But mm. it was a like process of like one knowing that I'm not going to get to my end goal straight away because I don't have like a project management degree.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But knowing that like the patience and like if I'm passionate, the right doors will open. Yeah. Um, and if they don't open,
0: that's some real grit to like have that thought. It's <laughs> like
1: I have it now that it's happened but like when you're in it you don't realize until mm. you come like out the other end like and you and go like, wow that was really hard <laughs> yeah and like for me like my theory was like if the right do doors don't open I'm gonna make a door and open it <laughs> so I was like <laughs> if I don't become a project manager I'm gonna project manage my own job and yeah. project and prove to people that like yeah it can happen that's and amazing like, like privilege here sorry like (laughs) I I know that not everyone has the same circumstances and like I know that I've had some privileges or I don't have the privileges that some people do um but like knowing that you can make opportunities Mm. out of nothing
0: I think that counts for something though privilege or not like you work with what you have and then if you don't have what you need you go and get it it sounds very simple I know but it's like and it can be very hard but it's that mindset I think that you've got.
1: Yeah, it's like sometimes you get that dealt really bad cards, but you make it a really good hand and you play it. I'm not a professional poker player disclaimer, <laughs> but um that went out like it's almost like I got when I was in construction like I got dealt like no one was giving me a chance as a project manager, no one was taking me seriously. So mm. um the fact that I got to work on my own project with my partner yeah okay, and I use that you. as yeah. like
0: if I can manage this like yeah and people were obviously impressed by that it, and it took
1: everything it wasn't like it was finance management and it was really to the dollar finance management because it was our own money yeah. we were playing with so like variations weren't a
0: joke (laughs) they were the solution
1: (laughs) well well, like when you got a variation you found out it was like something like 10 grand that would be like crying in the car park yeah money it hits
0: like home
1: yeah yeah and then when I went for an interview some like it was a family-owned business and they mentioned like how good are you at um project management in the sense of finance management and like fund management and I use that as as an example that like I have my own project going and Mm -hmm. I know how heavy it hits to have like a single variation that costs money yeah because it's being paid for like out of a very tight budget um so it's like that kind of things that architecture school kind of shapes you is like you always have hope
0: yeah you always
1: have that little bit of hope like definitely the right doors might not be opening for you right now but like you just take a couple mm. of site corridors and get <laughs> to the door you need to get to. And you're just like, ah, oh, got there in yeah. the end.
0: And I think because um, our industry for architecture is so based on just learning what you need to get the job done. And then when the, the next project comes along, it's a whole nother layer of learning. So it's just like no two projects are the same. So you have to keep learning. And so that, like you said, transfers over into anything because it's a problem, problem solving technique that other degrees like you know medicine or um, physics or even like there's formulas and there's answers and then that's it and you know where how to get there whereas for us it can be like anything (laughs) and it's
1: like a patience thing because like every year you almost like you implement what you like your personality at work sometimes in personal life as well like because every job's different and you develop so much. You learn so much. You become thicker skinned, yeah. You become more wise to
0: things you didn't like you yeah. had oversight in. And it's a, it's it's such a – it can be hard that that's the only way to learn because you just want someone to be like, do this, do this, do that. And to some extent, it that is what you get. But then, again, a whole other layer of, you know, there's no right answer so you've just got to find the best path.
1: Yeah, yeah. and
0: it's like –
1: I work with a registered architect and he told me that he's been practicing for like 20 years or something. And he told me that it's, he has experience, but every day is different for him as well. So like every job he's almost like evolving as well. Hmm. So, um, it's like that humbling experience that you're never, you're never
0: done learning. yeah, Yeah.
1: And you're never too, like, it sounds cheesy, but like, you get humbled by that because you get to a certain stage in some career where you're like I've achieved all of my strides yeah all of my jobs are similar um I'm getting good at what I do I know what I'm doing like that's a linear process but like because every project is so different like the problems you'll have or the wins you'll have with one project is never going to be the same Mm. and like that directly relates to project management and architecture so like if you're already nailing the unexpected and the learnings (laughs) um you're already like halfway into diversifying if you want to be a project manager (laughs) so I think that's the main thing like Mm. I never got told
0: that in architecture school and I wish I had
1: more of these like yeah
0: it'd just be really eye-opening right just to hear different sort of professions whatever the titles may be for their, those jobs come in and say that I started with architecture school and then this is where I ended up
1: yeah. yeah and then like in architecture school they'd never also tell you that if you wanted to diversify from construct into construction that it's Hard gender wise as well.
0: Yeah, it's a big conversation now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, so
1: like with architecture I find that it's very like it's very inclusive. Like it's mm. like when I say a vet is a gender neutral um profession. But when you amount like people have a gender bias when you say the word nurse, you say yeah. the word pilot. Um architect is lucky because it's like one of those gender neutral um professions. But then the transition from going from a gender nutrition, a neutral profession to a gender-biased profession when you go heavily into construction,
0: mm. it's a huge culture shock. Yeah, and, like, and you, I guess, don't think it's going to happen or affect you because you're like, no, I'll be fine until you find yourself in that situation and you're like, crap, what's the difference here? Oh, it's because I'm a woman. <laughs> yeah,
1: and it's like in – um. With architecture school and practicing as an architect, like, there is that awareness, there is that, like, because um, it is such a gender neutral profession, like, and a lot of people can't help but have these biases because, yeah. like, growing up, we got shown photos and advertisements of
0: nurses who are female it runs deep into the culture doesn't it
1: yeah and only now that we're like awake and like understanding yeah. and what, questioning
0: what, it even yeah
1: like why does a nurse have to be portrayed as a female mm-hmm. um but like we've still got a way to go but no one has that difficult conversation from architecture school to like if you want to jump into construction um construction itself like when you think of a project manager um you sometimes think like a male, right? Like this, mm. yeah. You, when you say project manager, you automatically go to think a man, Yep. Um, and you don't when you think architect because you can see a female, you think like Zaha Hadid, yeah, or you can think <laughs> of like me, Svendel, Exactly. Or, like, yeah. anyone you can think of a male or female because there's so many famous architects, yeah, that are like both,
0: like, yeah, but.
1: Yeah, it's something that I wish someone talked about a little bit.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully we'll have more of these conversations. I'll wrap up with one more question and maybe just tell us um, what it is that you love about your job now and what gets you excited about work these days. I think it's humbling
1: experiences for sure. Like always feeling like you can always learn from someone else and how far you've come. Yeah. Um, yeah just waking up every day and saying like wow I've had such a ride like it's been hard and I've really worked hard to get to where I am or if it's not my final like I'm not happy in this role where do I want to be and I've already done so much work to try Mm. and get there so that that gives me great pleasure like I've worked really hard and I've taken so many side roads but getting here was fun yeah and getting to pull it all together as well that's really cool yeah Yeah. and like understanding the amount of like emotional breakdowns you've had the amount of like crying in your car before a crit or after a crit like the friends you've made the like beautiful models and like presentations you've Mm. seen like yeah it shapes you like it really like I don't want to use the word toughen up because I feel like it's a very loosely thrown term but it really builds you as a person like
0: yeah so it does yeah
1: that's what drives me every day is like gosh I've been through so much but I'm still going so yeah yeah
0: it's like what next what next I can handle it (laughs) (laughs) oh thank you so much for this chat that has been so insightful and uplifting Thank you. I can't wait to hear more about your journey as well. So we'll see where I'll end up. Thanks for tuning in to the Designer Journals podcast. If you'd like to show your support, please subscribe or follow along, share it with your friends or leave a rating or review. You can find more content on the Instagram page. Just search for at the Designer Journals. Catch you next time.